0: I'm the pastor here at Plaza. This is Pastor Jace uh, from Red Church. If you have never met him, so glad we could be here today. Happy Easter. Happy Easter! Awesome. So good to see you. We're doing a joint service. We actually just finished preaching over there, uh, perhaps at Red Church. We this is this is number five. Well, yes. really number four. Yes, but, yeah. And uh, so we're excited to bring God's word to you this morning. Glad you're here. We believe God brought you here for a purpose, and so we're going to continue to worship. Uh, we've got an Easter egg hunt coming up after this, 2 o'clock, and so you're, you're invited. If you're serving, uh, make sure you've parked over in this north side parking lot, and um, love for you to, to do that because it's going to start over there at Red Church, and, um, and we need that area clean of all parking. So uh, if you're a volunteer and you're over there, that sort of stuff, make sure that you come around this side and park over here. So, all right, brother. Thank you. Pastor Jake's going to get us started this morning, and uh, we're going to do a tag team. So I hope we brought lunch and um and just get cozy and relax don't relax too
1: much so, so no so yeah he, he's alluding to the fact that he says that the sermon's going to be longer, which is not going to happen um, we've heard some of the rumors is my microphone on? I've heard some of the rumors so if it goes too long we've got a shot collar for for some of so we'll, we'll get out here on time. Uh, I just want to highlight a couple things um, thank you for Donnie did a great job. give him a hand he um so he had a really good message there. He was trying to buy some time. I, so one thing is, that though, I, I want to say that it was worthwhile because I think we just saw 10 people give their heart to the Lord across, across over there. So can we have got a hand for that? So um, we took, we were trying to get out, but we figured that that was an important thing to kind of make sure we finished through, right? All right. Well, today is Easter Sunday, and in just a moment, Pastor Daniels is going to get up here. I'm going to start us off, and he's going to take off after that. But Easter Sunday is the biggest day of the Christian calendar because uh, the resurrection changed everything so if you 're here, if you are part of Plaza, so glad to be able to be able to be with you if you 're part of Red Church, so glad that you 're able to be with us as well if you 're a guest uh, you are you are greatly welcomed and we 're glad that you 're here and maybe today you 'll understand a little bit about why the res- resurrection is so important because it literally even people who say. Uh, who aren't necessarily believers, they'll say that the, the rise of Christianity in that time literally changed the world. And I don't know about you, but I look at the world that we live in, and it seems that we still need some more changing. How many of you know that there's some things in the world that needs to change? How many would uh, would agree with that? Um, sometimes, and maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think I am, sometimes I look at the world, and I see things on TV, or see things online, or even just people in person, and I sit there and go, man, I, I see the homelessness, the injustice. I see uh, the things that people are saying on social media. And I sit there and go, somebody should do something about this. This should not continue on. I don't know, anybody else ever felt that way where you were like, hey, something needs to change. Well, I wonder when we, want, when we focus on wondering somebody should do something about it, I wonder if sometimes that person should be us. But there are many times we don't do the things that need to be done for different reasons. Sometimes we don't do the things that need to be done because of our own time. Because time, uh, it shows where our priorities are. If we sit there and, and we look at, I'll just be honest, sometimes I sit there and go, man, I'm just so busy. I don't know how I could get anything else into my schedule. The question is, is our priorities in the right place? Or are we bad stewards? We're just not good stewards. Like, we're not good stewards with our money. Perhaps we're not good stewards with our time. So therefore, the things that we could do in our life, we just don't do. Or perhaps it's fear. There's a lot of fear in our world. I mean, especially now, because if you even do what's right, I mean, you could be, it could cost you your job, it could cost you a relationship. It's a real thing. Are we more worried about what it will cost us than doing what's right? Sometimes it's a matter of being focused on self. We are so focused on self, we can't even make an eye contact with people because we got to know what's, who's the last person. I know some of you might not relate to this, but now in our culture, it's like we can't even have a conversation because we're more interested in who liked our last post than the person right in front of us. That was for you, Donnie. I, just, I knew that there was an issue right there. No. Are we so focused on self? Is this why we're not actually living out? change in our life and sometimes we want to do the right thing sometimes we want to see change but we just don't know where to start we don't know what to do see easter is a time when the resurrection changed the world today our big truth is this this is what we're going to be talking about today god seeks to change us and use us to bring change to the world This is the power of the resurrection. It offers change in our life, but not just so things get better for us, that God uses us. In fact, the Bible says that he he uses us to to co-labor with us, to bring change into the world. Matthew 5.13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for what? Anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, Jesus was talking to a culture that was strongly influenced by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was pretty jacked up. We don't own the market on cultures with issues. I mean, think about this. Imagine you are in a culture where in many of the major cities, to get into the city, the roads are littered with crosses with naked people who have been tortured and dying. And sometimes... They cry out to you for help. Sometimes we have this idea that crosses are away from everything, and that's not how it usually was. They were usually lined. The crosses were lined in the streets because they wanted everyone to see it. And the crucifixion was not just to torture, which it was, but the primary purpose is to humiliate. If you cross us, this is what will happen to you. If you mess with us, you better be careful. So Jesus is highlighting that we are to be salt in a culture that's really messed up and is relevant to us today. We are to be salt regardless of what it costs us. This is what we see in his life. He calls us to be agents of change, but to be agents of change, we must be willing to be changed. Are you with me this morning? None of us like change. I don't. We think of salt. Sometimes we can dismiss it and go, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's so common because we have it all the time. I mean, you go to grocery stores, or I'm sorry, well, they have big things of grocery stores, but you go to the restaurants, they have shakers. We get them in packets. You know, uh, some of us, you know, this is probably me. I still have salt packets in my car from 2019, I'm just being nice, it's probably 2008, you know, it's probably when it really came about. Tell the truth, that's what I'm doing, Pastor, I'm telling the truth. But back then, salt was more rare. It was also precious and had many uses. And the people, if they're hearing it, they would have known the different uses because it had a major impact in the different parts of their life. But Jesus says this, you, everyone say you, are the salt of the earth. The word you is emphatic. What Jesus is highlighting here is that if we choose to follow Christ, we are to influence the world around us. Think about it. If, in that culture, to be a disciple, you were, you were to become like your teacher in every way. Well, what is Jesus doing? Where is he going? He's going to die. He is leading us. that If you want to follow me, you have to be willing to die to self. In our culture, it's the complete opposite message because everything's about us. What we want, when we want it. Understand, when we come into every relationship, every job, every situation with church, every relationship we have, and we come to it as, I want what I want, understand, that is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. And whenever we live life based on what I want, it will kill that thing. If we live what we want in our marriages, it will kill our marriages. If we want what we want in our, in our families, it will kill our families. If we go after what I want, and that is the top thing, it will kill our churches. If I go for what I want, it will kill whatever it is. Because it's the opposite of the word of God. And somehow, we've gotten this idea that if it's good, it will give me what I want. Is that what Jesus taught? Is that how Jesus lived? I guess you're the only one that knows that or <laughs> So today as Christians, we should reflect as we talk about what does salt look like? What does it look like? It should challenge every single one of us and I include myself in that. When I when we preach this, I'm like I'm convicted. If you're here and, and, and you're not a believer, if, you, if you're not a Christian, I don't want to assume everyone else, everyone here is, then the point of this message will begin to open up your eyes to what the solutions to all the problems are. Because more education is not going to fix everything. Just the government fixing things is not going to solve everything. Finding that one person to marry is not going to solve your problems, having another child is not going to solve your problems. We'll probably compound the problems. <laughs> so to repeat, God seeks to change us and use us to bring change to the world. So we're going to talk about four obvious evidences of being salt in the world. I'm going to cover the first one, and Pastor Daniel's going to take the next few. But these things, as a Christian, we should be looking at these things. Is this active in my life? And if not, why? And if you're not a believer, this is the solution to our problems, because nothing can change apart from Christ. And then when Christ changes us, we are to be changed to the world. Number one is be salt. Why? Because salt purifies. First John 1 John nine: If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We see that change is needed in the world. We see it. But we can't actually be changed unless we are willing to change ourselves. That's what Easter is really about. God created the world. Mankind sinned against God. Sin entered in the world. And since that point, we've been hurting each other and others. And our sins hurt others, and our sins hurt hurt ourselves. And other people's sins hurt us and themselves. And it's a perpetual cycle. We cannot Fixed ourselves. We have a whole world history to tell that we have not been able to solve our problems. We rebelled. Punishment and justice is needed. God sent His Son to die for us. We might sit there and go, "Why does He need to do that?" Some of us have been in church so long we just kind of like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, He He had to do that. Why?" Because a loving God, we we are comfortable with a loving God. We love it when people are kind to us, but our God is also a just God. You cannot have a loving God without a just God. If, if, if you take the person that means a ton to you, a child, a spouse, a parent, think about somebody you care about, and if somebody harms them, is it loving to sit there and say, yeah, well, let's just forget about it. Yeah, just deal with it. Is that loving? No, because of our love, because of our love, we seek justice that this was done wrong. Somebody should do something about this. Is it really loving to just be like, hey, you know what? We say all these nice things, but guess what? That addiction is going to kill you, but we can't have that conversation. One, One commentary in Proverbs says, the reason why we don't share tough conversations because someone's heading in the wrong direction, the reason why we Don't do that is not because we're too kind. It's not because we love them too much. It's because we love ourselves too much. Because we aren't willing to challenge them. Now, how we challenge them is important. In humility. But the reason why we don't have tough conversations is because we love ourselves too much. We don't want conflict. We are afraid of conflict. I think Pastor Daniel talked about codependency. Codependency is that we just give in to the least healthy person in the room. So God sent his son to pay a price that we deserve, but we could not pay ourselves so that you and I could have hope. He died on the cross that you and I could be forgiven of our past junk, and that alone is pretty awesome. But he didn't stop there. When he died, he really died, but he rose again. The resurrection of Easter is highlighting the power that Christ had over death, and because Christ is our Savior, we have that same power living in our life. But does our life really reflect the resurrection power? See, this matters. The resurrection matters. Because through the resurrection, we have hope. Not just forgiveness, we have the hope even in this life. If you're here and your marriage is struggling, because of the resurrection, your marriage really can have hope. If you're struggling with an addiction, because of the resurrection, there really can be hope. If you've messed up and you've been dealing with stuff in your past, guess what? That can change because there's power because of the resurrection. See, we live in a world that's broken. Why? Because it's full of broken people like me, like you. Perhaps you feel thrown out and you feel like trash. That can change. You can have hope, but only through Christ. And I just want to highlight there, if you're there and you feel like you've been beat up and you've made mistakes, that's at least a good sign because you recognize that you've messed up. You would much rather be in that situation to be sitting there and going, yeah, I got this. I had issues, but I don't have issues anymore. That's a very dangerous place to be. It's probably a huge lack of self-awareness and actually real spiritual immaturity. <laughs> it's Easter. I'm coming at it. Why is this important? Because we want change in the world. I don't know about you, but I want change in the world. I don't like the way the world is. But guess what? Nothing will change until we realize our own sins and our own junk are part of the world's problems. As long as we point the finger that it is everyone else's fault, that issue will never be dealt with. We have to recognize that part of our stuff is why the world has issues. Because otherwise, it's just blame the world and we can just skate free because it's everybody else and not me. That's convenient, but it's not true. The kitchen will reek of garbage as long as we pretend there's no trash in the kitchen. Any parents ever dealt with that? Uh, Did you take out the trash? Yeah. No, you didn't because I still smell it. (laughs) Jesus died for us and through him, we can be new. We can be agents of change. Do you know what doesn't change someone? Do you know what doesn't change the world? You screwed up. You did this. You messed up. You have an addiction. Change, 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 change. I don't do those things. Be like me. Change, change. Those dr- Just stop. Stop it. Stop it. There's no grace or mercy there. You know what really changes something? You know what? I once had my own problems. I'm not perfect yet, but... Do you know what? I couldn't fix it myself, but my God could. Jesus died for my sins and rose again, and he's made me, he's transformed me. And I've not arrived yet. I've not made it, per- I'm not quite there. I still have some issues I'm dealing with, but I'm, if you would have known me a 5, 10, 20 years ago, I'm way better. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm way better now. So what's our next step? Well, number one is to Repent. If you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of our life, this is where it starts. Nothing's going to fix it. Outside of this, finding that next person that you want to be romantically involved with isn't going to fix your problems. Having more money is not going to fix your problems. Probably make it worse. Getting the right job isn't going to fix your problems. Getting your way will not fix all the problems. But even as believers, sometimes we have to repent. We might have saving faith, but perhaps we're not living out the resurrection power because of fear and selfishness and being unwilling to be changed in the areas that we need to be changed in. Right now what's going to happen is Pastor Daniel's going to come up and he's going to take the next couple points. Um, number two, Pastor Daniel, take it away. Amen. Can we give him a hand? I know you guys love him. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jace.
0: How are we doing this morning? We're good? Toes feeling a little, a little mashed on? Oh, no, everybody in here is good. All right, this is the perfect crowd. 11.45 is a perfect crowd. So good to see you. And, again, welcome here. Ready to uh, continue just navigating this. I want to share the scripture, really, that has just encouraged my heart through this. And uh, as we think about Easter, because, again, Easter is not just a, a fun holiday where you come to church, you maybe have an Easter dinner, or you go out or that sort of stuff, and it's just a bunch of sort of religious rituals or just something we do, habits. But as as Pastor Jace was saying, Uh, Easter, the resurrection, has the power to change us. Uh, It has the power to to purify us. So Ephesians chapter 1 is uh, a scripture that's just encouraged me. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he's asking for our eyes to be opened up, right? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Somebody say hope. Hope. They may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Man, that's just a, man, such a deep scripture there, such an encouraging scripture there, but then it gets better, right? Verse 19, and his incomparably great power. His incomparably great power. That's a phrase right there, incomparably great power for only the smartest people in the room, for only the best looking people in the room, for only the best dressed people in the room, No, he's a comparably great power for us, all of us, who what? Believe. As Pastor Jay said with point one, the first step was really repent, and then the next step is believe. And and so it is for us who believe. He's a comparably great power for us who believe. And then look at the next part of the verse. It says this. That power, that power that's in us, is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, that he exerted when he raised Christ. Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That means Easter has implications or practical things for today, right? That means the power that raised Christ from the dead over 2,000 years ago is available for you and me to overcome addiction, to get us out of the parking lot dealing with slow drivers or bad drivers or whatever, right? That power is available for you and I. And that is encouraging. On a Monday, on a Tuesday, when we feel like I can't get out of bed, when I feel like uh, I can't deal with this marriage, when I feel like I can't deal with these kids, that same power. is there. Can you imagine the power that put Jesus back together, right? That the cells started to come back alive, that, that, that restarted his heart, that, that breathed air back into his lungs, and then rolled away the stone and he exploded out of the grave. That is phenomenal power for out there, for another time, not for today, Pastor. No, for you and for me, that same power is available. And so so, uh, why do we stop on that verse and talk about that? Because that is really what we're talking about in the rest of the sermon is that, listen, Easter has implications to give me power and you power every day to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, to navigate the difficulties and the dark places in life. And so you can write this down. Point number two is this, as we talk about salt is it this? Salt preserves. Salt preserves. It's a preservative. You probably may be aware of this, but in Jesus' time, right, there were no coolers. There were no freezers, right? He couldn't just, uh, they, they were, this was a sermon on the mount, and, um, and he's preaching uh, on the mountainside there, not, not too far away from, um, you know, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And, and so, listen. When they took a trip to the beach, they couldn't take a cooler there. And, and with their Sprites and their uh, whatever Pastor Jace likes to, to drink, some some Stevia. I don't know what it's called. He, he likes this thing, and I, I can never get it right. And, um, and so we like to harass each other about what we, what we drink. And so he's always uh, got that sort of stuff. And so I had to give him one. We've been going back and forth all morning, so we had to help each other. And, uh, and so, but listen, they, they didn't have a cooler. They had to salt everything. And I didn't have a freezer for their ice cream. They, they had to salt their meat and salt their fish. And so it is a preservative. So one writer put it this way, salt stops decay. And that's what we're called to be. We are to be preventing decay in our world, in our school, in our neighborhood. Or they said it like this, salt arrests atrophy. Salt disrupts decomposition. Salt prevents Perishing, salt ceases spoilage; it halts corrosion and it defeats death. And that's what we're called to be: salt sprinkled in our world. And I wonder if, if we could, you know, look with eyes on people's souls. If we had special glasses, right, super X-ray soul glasses, right, and we could look in on people's souls and see how Satan is just uh, oppressing them and discouraging them. We could see how their own sin and their own choices. Are, are wreaking havoc in their lives. If you could see that in your neighbor, in your classmate, hey, listen, in your spouse, we might be a whole lot nicer, wouldn't we? Or our sister or our brother, we might be a whole lot more patient. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I wish people would just be a little more patient with me. And, and listen, that's true. But we as salt, we are to be preserving. We are to be a preservative. And when we take Jesus to people, we are acting as a preservative. We're stopping the decay. When we take Jesus to i I think about the people that introduced me to Jesus. You may or may not know, but I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, I didn't grow up uh, learning a whole lot about religion. And it wasn't until uh, a family, actually from here, the Advent family, made that invite for me to uh, come to church. And for the first time in my life, I, I heard the gospel like Pastor Jace was saying. right? I heard and, and I knew that God was a God of justice. And I thought, for sure, I am toast. Right? I'm going to be done if I ever meet God. I'm trying to run as far away from him as I can. But then I came and I heard the gospel preached in its fullness, knowing that not only is he a God of justice, but he's a God of love and he actually loves me. I never heard that. I was uh, about 17 years old. I never heard the phrase God loves you. I never heard a Bible verse like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. I just thought he hated me and hated all of us. But the fullness of the gospel is that God is a God of justice and a God of love. And he completed the justice in Jesus on the cross and he took. The payment so that I wouldn't have to. Man, that is incredible. And so, those people, by their act of faith, by inviting me to church. Those people preserved my life. And then they invited me to a Bible study at their house on Friday nights. And, and we would get around and, and uh, we would, they would sing and have Bible study. And I got to ask questions. And I got to see that their life was different than my life. I got to see the way they, they, they had joy that I had. They had hope about the future. And that they were different. And there was something in them that, that was preserving me. And then finally, through, the, through their kindness, uh, through the preaching of the gospel, I stepped across the line and Christ saved me. And uh, if any of you know uh, the Avincula family, uh, you know uh, they're Filipino, and so there was also lots of Filipino food at these uh, Friday night Bible studies, and so uh, that was also helping me on the road to get there at a start. Right? Amen. Am I in heaven now with all this sit and lupias? I feel like I'm in heaven. And if this is what heaven's gonna be like, sign me up. I'm there. Right? And um, and so I mean, but listen, they, they weren't some folks who were just all up on stage. And praise God for the folks. And, and listen, they were. Every day, average people who took a step to have courage and to have a conversation with me to sprinkle some salt in my life, and uh, again, look at the text there, Matthew five. This is sort of the text for today that we're looking at. Right, uh, Jesus said this: "You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth." Who is he talking about? Well, Jesus again is at the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to. Your everyday average Galilean. And the Galileans weren't even looked upon highly within uh, their culture. Um, And so they weren't considered very religious and all that sort of stuff. And Jesus is choosing to do his ministry there. He's speaking to farmers and to mothers. He's speaking to children, the everyday average people, the peasants. And he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. So look at your neighbor and tell him, you are the salt of the earth. All right, look at the other neighbor on the other side. Tell him, you are the salt of the earth. All right now, again, he didn't say you are salty, right? I know that's how. That's we, we got to be careful about that word in our conversation now, right? He didn't say you are salty. He said you are the salt of the earth. And like Pastor Jason was saying, salt was really valuable to today. Us salt is common. So, so what he's saying is you have value. You are important. God uh, is calling you to preserve and to play a role. Jesus didn't stop by the temple and go to the religious perfect people and say, hey, you guys got your robes on. You guys repeat all the stuff, all perfect. You guys are here every week and say, you guys are the salt of the earth. The rest of them are a bunch of nobodies. No, he didn't do that. He didn't stop by uh, the the Greek philosophers and the Agora there and say, man, these Greek philosophers, you guys are so smart and so incredibly intelligent. You guys are the salt of the earth. He didn't go to the, the, the Roman garrison and to uh, the, 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 the powerful, strong guys and say, you guys are just, man, you guys are fit and strong. You look kind of like Pastor Daniel. Um, you guys are the salt of the earth. They laughed here. They didn't laugh at Red Church. I don't understand why that. They know me better. And uh, I said, you are the salt of the earth. Secretaries. Grocery store employees, stay-at-home moms or dads, a cable guy, the mail carrier, teachers and nurses, retired folks, teenagers and children. You are the salt of the earth. A grandparent, a barber, a mechanic, those cooped up in the hospital bed, you are the salt of the earth. We've known so many folks here. Uh, I've I've known so many folks that are part of our church family, and, and right they're on their hospital bed. And they can't move, but they're still preserving people even though they seem almost helpless because they just have faith in the, in the waning moments of their life. They're blessing their caretakers. They're blessing their kids. And I have been blessed by seeing that. And so salt is a preservative. And so our next step is this. Who in your life needs hope in their life? We all have somebody, right? You have a circle of influence who in your life needs hope in their life. And then simply just share it. Maybe it's today. You're going to encourage them with the hope of the gospel, with the Easter message um, maybe you're going to invite them to church next week. Maybe you're going to uh, invite them to be part of your community group if you go to one. You know, That's all important. So who in your life needs hope in their life? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor uh, navigating uh, some of the most difficult times uh, during uh, Germany and the Nazis. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, one act of obedience, one act of obedience is more powerful than a 100 sermons. That doesn't make preachers feel very good. And that's like half a year's worth there for us, you know what I mean? Um, Well, that's two years' worth of sermons, geez. And uh, depending on how many times you preach. (laughs) One act of obedience. Your act of obedience preaches a sermon louder than you realize. And so who in your life needs hope in their life? Point number three is this. Be salt because salt is a healing agent. It brings healing. My kids are in the service, and so they can help uh, do this verse. I've had no help in the other uh, services. But we learned this verse in Proverbs that talks about the tongue. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. But salt is also used as a healing agent, a cleansing agent. And so even now, they'll use saline and all that sort of stuff to cleanse a wound. And so uh, salt is healing. How many of you know our world needs some healing? God has called you to bring healing just through simple acts. The verse we've memorized, we have a number of different verses we memorize as a family, but this one, my wife creates motions and she creates songs. And so she said, um, Proverbs says this, Um, reckless words pierce like a sword, right? But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And we do this like healing. So reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How are our words bringing healing to those around us? Just simple words, right? That's how we become salt to others. We live in a world that just loves Uh, If someone makes a mistake, if someone messes up, we live in what we call the cancel culture. You cancel them. As soon as they do something wrong, they could be right, they could be left, they could be in the middle. We just cancel everything. You're gone. You're out of here. You're off the show. You're off the team. You can't say this. You can't say that. And listen, wrong is still wrong. And so we should be holding people accountable. I'm not saying don't hold people accountable, but we then start to treat them like they're the scum of the earth, and we don't need to do that. We need to make sure that we're thinking, man, how can this person? This person did that because they need healing. They said this off-color thing. They are trapped in a sex addiction because they need healing. And how can I bring healing to them? Instead of joining in the canceling of all these people, we should be bringing healing. Amen? Um, I think, you know, so many people have offered healing in my life. And um, uh, a number of you have. I mean, uh, I, I just can't um, really thank people enough for the ways they have brought healing in my life. But I think probably one of the biggest turning points in my life, and this happened even before I was a Christian, is when I was 14 years old. And When I was 14, uh, we were away on a trip, and uh, my best friend came with me. Um, and um, he was all-star football player, track player, basketball player, just uh, what, what I like to say, a human specimen of physique. Uh, but through a tragic accident while we were swimming together, he drowned and, and he died. And it was crushing for me because I was there and I was a part of it. And I was wearing the weight. And we had to come back from this trip to, I mean, we obviously had to call his family, uh, but I wasn't a part of that. But I had to come back and face his family. And I was terrified to see his siblings. I was terrified to see his parents. So I thought, they are going to hate me. Because this is my fault. And Satan was just crushing me. This is your fault. If you would have done this, if you would have said that, then none of this would have happened. And I was just underneath that weight. And I can still remember as clear as day, you know, pulling up to his house, house uh, over in South Norfolk. And his mom, um, and I just thought, I can't even get out of the car. But his mom just really ran up to me. And she embraced me with the biggest hug. And she squeezed me and refused to let me go. And she said, baby, it is not your fault. Baby, I forgive you, and she just would not let go. Tears, hot tears streaming down my face, tears streaming down her face, and she just said, "God has a plan. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were believers, and I was not." And um, and she said, "God is in control, and don't you wear this." Her words brought so much healing to my life. Otherwise, I would have been crushed underneath that weight. So the next step for us, for you, is who can you offer healing to this week? Just maybe, it's, maybe it's just a. Uh, a word today, just a text today. Maybe like uh, what Brother Donnie was saying uh, earlier, just that act of forgiveness and encouraging people. Who can you offer a word of healing to today? Who needs that from you? And then, fourthly and finally, is this be salt because salt enhances flavor. You guys writing this down? Y'all taking notes? You still awake? This is not the early crowd, this is the late crowd. So, uh, you know, if it's too early, people are sleeping because it's too early. If it's too late, some of you are, like, ready for nap time. And uh, so you guys, I uh, think, are doing all right. Salt enhances flavor. Flavor. Pastor Jace was talking and um, about putting salt on pizza. He's trying to say... What he meant was putting it in the sauce, but I disagree with that. I just had this vision of him putting salt on his pizza. But we have a kid like that. One of my kids loves to put salt on everything, salt on salad, salt on peas, salt on, uh, I mean, just everything, just salt to everything. And it starts to bring out the flavors of things. Can I ask you this question? When you're around people, what kind of flavor do you leave in their mouth? What, What kind of taste do you leave in people's mouth at your job? What kind of taste are you leaving? Is it the flavor of God or is it the flavor of the world? See, the flavor of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. The flavor of the world is rage, anger, bitterness, and grudge holding, right? It might be some passive bitterness and grudge holding, But that's the flavor of the world. Uh, Selfishness, that's the flavor of the world. What kind of flavor, what kind of taste do you bring out in those around you? Because, listen, salt brings out the flavors. Do you bring out the best in others around you? Is that how people kind of know you? Are you one who brings out the best? During the pandemic, uh, one of the things we did probably more often, we actually got it before that. One of our friends had given us a popcorn popper. And uh, some of you already know about this, and, and you think, that I'm just kind of silly for catching on, right, and that's okay, but I always thought popcorn just came in a bag, and you pop in the microwave, you know, but, but now we got this special popcorn popper, it has a lid, it has a crank, and you turn it, and you take, you measure out a measuring cup, and you put the kernels in, and uh, I know, so I could just already read your minds, you're like, pastor, and, uh, what planet did you grow up on, and, um, and so we put it in there, and we, and we make popcorn, and then we'll add some flavoring to it. And so we like to do this sometimes on Friday nights as a family, and we, we make popcorn. And I got a special recipe I like to make. Anybody feeling hungry right now? Man, I am. Talking about enhancing flavor. Whew. And, um, and so have you ever, th- this is the first time I tasted popcorn without any flavoring, right? Because we just popped it in the thing. I didn't put anything on it. And it was like, <coughs> I was like, this is nasty. It has no flavor. It tastes like. Uh, cardboard, right? I mean, it just tastes gross. But all of a sudden, you sprinkle a little bit of salt on it, and now it starts to bring out some flavor. And I was saying earlier, I was like, you know, I don't think if I put salt on paper, I don't think it would bring out any flavor. Um, That's because it's not real food, but popcorn, I I guess, is. And so listen, as we sprinkle salt, as you sprinkle salt, not sprinkle fairy dust. I'm not saying sprinkle fairy dust on people. I'm saying you're bringing the gospel. You're bringing the love of Christ. You're bringing the flavor of Christ. Are you enhancing those around you? That's the question for us. So Pastor Jason is going to kind of come and close and bring us to the next steps as we navigate, how do we live from here on out and continue to be salt? Amen. You only got another
1: hour left. No, because I'm hungry. I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. All right. Don't be salty. That's right. All right. Some good points. What kind of flavor do we leave? Are we, the Bible, as you mentioned before, the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. So are we bringing life or are we breeding death in the words that we speak? The Bible actually says that we will give an account for every idle word that we say. We're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for every single thing that we've said. And that includes what we've said online. flavor, are we leaving joy, encouragement, or are we bringing about conflict through gossip and slander? See, we see a lot of problems in the world. We see a lot of problems in our own life, in our families, around us. We all see it. It's so easy to blame everybody else for our issues. But until we own our own stuff, nothing will really ever change. Perhaps God is calling us to be part of the answer to the issues that we see. God seeks to change us, to use us, to bring change to the world. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we actually love God, we'll actually do what he says that we are called to do. Matthew 5, 5, 13 says, It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He's highlighting here, That salt, if it it loses its effectiveness, if if it no longer has that taste or saltiness, if it's no longer a change agent, it can do nothing of worth. What does that mean? It means in part that if we aren't bringing change, then our life won't have meaning and purpose. If we're just living it for ourselves, it won't have meaning and purpose. Our culture has a great lie that's that's going on right now, and many of you guys have seen it or heard it, and that is that commitments will kill your joy and your purpose and meaning. This is why people can't keep a job. It's why people go from relationship to relationship. It's even why people can go from church to church, from friendship to friendship, because commitments hinder what I really want to do. And if I commit too much, It will kill my purpose. I'll have no meaning. My dreams are dead. Actually, studies have shown and have agreed what what Scripture says. Studies have shown that actually significant commitments, actually those people who do that have a higher sense of quality of life. And there's no greater commitment than our commitment to God or not. We accept our, our hope and faith in Christ or not. But Here's the thing. When Jesus calls us to follow after Him, it requires us to change. And here's our big question Are we willing to be changed? Are we willing to be changed? See, we want change in the world, want everybody else to change, want things to change. But we cannot be agents of change if we're not willing to change. Sometimes, perhaps God has, um, sometimes people are like, God, why haven't you opened up this door for me? Why hasn't this happened? Why haven't I gotten this job? Sometimes the reason why those things haven't answered is actually not because God is mean, but because God is a God of grace. Because if you got that thing that you wanted, if you got the money that you wanted, if you got that job that you wanted, it could kill you. People said that money magnifies the problem inside of us. Influence magnifies the, magnifies the issues inside of us. But here's the problem. We can't do these things on our own. We can't just fix it on our own because we've all fallen short of all of these things. We've all screwed up and messed up. I have a long list of issues. Things that I've done, I, I regret. I know Pastor Daniel has a long list of issues. His issues are probably longer than mine. We've all messed up. But through the resurrection power, we can see change. So our next steps are this. Number one is we need to admit that we can't fix ourselves. Admit that we've messed up. Number two, and this is for those of you that are maybe newer to the faith or maybe you've been gone for a while. Is maybe come back to church because the Bible says there's, faith grows by hearing. That we our, our faith grows as we hear the word of God spoken out. And lastly is take the next three weeks to invest in others and I don't want to challenge this, invest in someone different than you're used to investing in because we can get so used to our comfortable group but every single time God calls us to obey him, it will require us to change to some degree you know when I got married to my wife, I had to change I found out I was not as cool of a guy as I thought I was When I had kids, I had to change because I was not what I needed to be. As a pastor, I've had to consistently change because I realized what God was calling me to do. I was not ready yet. He had to get me ready. If you'd close your eyes and bow your head. I just wanna give this chance real quick. If you're here and you say, you know what? I am, there's some things in me I do need change in. If that's you and you say, there's some things I know still need to be changed, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to say, I want to be used to bring about more change in this world. Would you raise your hand? Now, if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, this is a big question. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, but you want him to be, would you raise your hand? Anybody in the room? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Put your hand down. We're going to pray. And if you raise your hand to that last question, I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me, but don't just say it because I'm saying it. Mean it. You're talking to God himself. Just if everyone would repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, repeat after me, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I've messed up and I can't fix myself. I put my hope in you. My trust in you be the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. I put my faith that you died for me, and you rose again. Show me how to live. Change me, and help me to bring about your change through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a hand Three or four people just gave their heart to the Lord this morning. I'm going to hand this over to your team here. Blessings. Happy Easter. He is risen.